One of the biggest shows over the course of the pandemic was Outer Banks, and recently season two was released onto the platform. I have to say, I had to force myself to watch this show because it just seemed like a bunch of white people on an island, which is like, when has that ever turned out okay? But then I saw Pope, I saw Kiara, I saw Madeline Klein's character, Sarah Cameron, and I was like, oh, they're hot. I'll watch it. Now I think this show is one of the best things on Netflix. I feel like it is one of their crowning achievements. I think it's one of the best things that have ever been created. I'm joking. There have been better things, but like this is like a really good show. Um, not only is it funny, it also has that wow factor where all of the characters are interesting and complex people. So today, we're going to talk about it. Before we start, I would like to say that these are just my opinions. If you have anything to add to this, please feel free to email me your thoughts at giacris134 at gmail.com. That is G-I-A-K-R-I-S-1234 at gmail.com. There will be spoilers ahead, so if you've not watched this show and are planning to, this is not the episode for you. And it's honestly a really easy watch. It's two seasons. I think there's like 10 episodes each season. So honestly, set some like time aside and binge it. That's how I got through it. Um, and then come back to this. And without further ado, let's get started. Season one was obviously our introduction to the world of Pogues and Kooks, specifically our set of Pogues and Kooks, which consists of, as Pogues, J.J. Maybank, Kiara Carrera, Pope Hayward, and John B. Rutledge. And then as Kooks, we have Sam Ra- Sarah Cameron's family and Topper, who is her boyfriend for season one. Um, it sets up some pretty central storylines for the first part, mainly focusing on John B. and Sarah's love story, and then John B.'s conviction to take down Ward, her father. Those are the main arcs. Um, the rest of the Pogues sort of just exist in that space until the second season where there was more of a use for them. We only start to see more of their lives in the second season when John B's on the run with Sarah. And that's the reason I love season two infinitely more than season one, um, because season two is more about them as a group rather than just John B and then his friends helping him. It's more like everyone has a role to play. Everyone has something that's going on and they all need to be together in order to get through it. Um, I think that's one of the main reasons that I liked it more. Also, season one is super focused on getting to season two because I think they already had season two written, which is something that I actually really like um, when it comes to directing is if you know where your story is going to go and you're using, you know, you're trying to pace it out in a proper manner. Like some people, like they do it and it doesn't come out right. It sounds really, it looks really, really rushed. But this one, I thought it was really good. They like paced it out pretty well. Um, and this is saying something for two seasons of a show that have 10 episodes each. You have to pace it out pretty good. And uh, I think that that's something I really like because as an introductory season goes, I was very intrigued in the story, but I was more intrigued for what was going to happen next. Pretty much that whole plot centers around Jompy's father being lost at sea and then him being stuck at the at- at Outer Banks. And then uh, he finds out that his dad was looking for a treasure and he starts to go after it. And little does he know, Ward Cameron, who is like the head kook, he's like the main kook of the island, the main rich man. Um, he's also after the treasure. I don't fucking know why. He's rich, but apparently he's in debt. So he wants the treasure so he can get out of money troubles. And it becomes a race to see who can find it first and not die because Ward is willing to kill people for this stuff. Um, along the way, he falls for Ward's daughter and he, she joins him in their motley crew of pogues vying to take the treasure for their own. It's a really good show in the beginning, but I think it really picks up in the second season. I watched that entire thing in one day, in one sitting, while I was doing work. I scarfed that shit down. Oh my god. I stand by the fact that Madeline Klein, um, Rudy Panko, and Drew Starkey carried second season because their performance was just amazing. Um, I'm going to be talking about a specific scene of Madeline Klein that I really love later on, but 
every single time Drew Starkey was on screen, I was very, very invested. I think Rafe is such a complex character. Um, I think he's also one of the most well-written within the entire show, just because he's such... He's such a weird person. I'm, I'm going to talk about him later, like, more in context when it comes to character dynamics. And I'm also going to talk about him later on in this section, just because I think he has a lot to do with, like, what's going on in the plot. And, I don't know, those three just really carried it. Uh, there was a really... F- I think Rudy Pan... Oh, there was a thing. I think there was an interview with Madison Bailey uh, where she said pretty much a lot of their scenes were improv Like, one of their scenes, I think they're all in a car in the middle of the night and Kiara, Pope, and JJ are trying to get information out of this man about, you know, to clear John B's name. Because right now John B is being framed for murder by Ward. It's a lot right now. I'm not going to say a bunch because I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you already know what's going on. But um, he gets framed for the murder of a sheriff, which is a big deal. Anywho, they're trying to get information to, like, not have him framed. Yeah? And so they end up, like, calling this man that was working with Ward that was supposed to actually get rid of the evidence because the actual person that killed the sheriff was Rafe. And Rafe has a rich father. So he can make a lot of your stuff go away. So they have this whole scene where they, like, improved majority of it, apparently. And um, she ends up coming with the voice of Batman. And a lot of the lines that JJ says, apparently, like, uh, he would sprinkle in improv lines, which I think is really, really funny. And I actually really like that they hired Rudy because I think he's such an amazing comedic actor. Like, he's able to pull in that, like, emotion. But, like, when it comes to comedic value, he's the person you look towards because his pacing is just amazing. Anywho, moving on. Um, Also, when I'm talking about characters, sorry, I said moving on. We're not moving on. I'm going to talk about characters even more. Uh, Kiara, this season, ma'am did something with her hair or something like she got highlights or some shit she looked fucking bomb like i hmm kiara's left to break my back anytime she pleases i just found out that madison bailey is fruity which makes my crush on her a lot more fervent because she's beautiful and badass and legit one of the most perfect people i've ever seen like she's up there with zendaya for me y'all it's this is a lot she's up there with elizabeth olsen if you know me you know i i i love elizabeth olsen i think she's one of the prettiest people ever and yeah, Florence Pugh, Rachel Wise, she's up there with them, guys. Like, I legit, she's in the big leagues for me. Anyway, season two centers around John B and Sarah after their presumed death because, yeah, they get, they run away from her dad. They end up getting in a hurricane. They end up getting like shipwrecked, kinda. They join a ship. They end up going to some place called Nassau. Fun place. Um, now they're fugitives because, again, he's a criminal, allegedly. There's a lot of shit that happens, and we finally get plot lines that don't center around those two or their families. We get to see JJ's arc with his father, Key's arc with her parents, Pope's with his family history, which is something that I want to talk about. Um, Hopefully, I won't get myself confused while talking about it. And then Rafe's arc with his own mind. That's something I really want to talk about, because I think it's just such a cool arc that we were going on. His... JJ's arc... His dad was one of the, my least favorite characters. He was an abusive alcoholic, took out a lot of his rage on his son. And when we left off in season one, he was in jail. But in season two, he eventually gets out. Um, I think on good behavior or something like that. I don't fucking know. Um, he goes to his son and he ends up asking him to help him get off the island. And pretty much he abandons his son on the Outer Banks. Because remember, these guys are still minors, technically. Um, which is not 
great. So it's kind of a dick move, but at the same time, I'm okay with that decision because he's getting, at least he won't have that toxic influence in his life. Then Key's parents. This is a whole thing for me because I low-key agree with them, but I don't like how they're treating her at the same time. Because I think that Key is a, Key comes from a family where her father was a poke and her mother was a kook and they both kind of live in that weird limbo. They kind of have money, but not enough to be like classified as a kook, but they're also not poor enough to be a pogue. Like it's a whole thing. They're very, they're the only middle-class family. It's really funny to me. Um, anyway, so at this point in the story, she's dating Pope and her mom was like, you need to stop hanging out with these pokes. Legit, John B. was a bad influence. And she's like, John B. was fucking framed. And I know that because I was there. And so uh, her parents aren't really listening to her. To their defense, she's been missing a lot of school. And I feel like that should have been something that they focused on a little bit more. Those kids had one school scene. They just never went to school again. And they just left. They had a school scene for about a minute and they got sent they left school to go to charleston like that was that was an entire episode is them going to charleston because someone called pope um which i'll get to i kind of agree with her parents because it leads to some really tough conversation she gets she gets kicked out of her own house she wrecks their car at the end of the season i actually started crying because they said like no more pogues or something when she comes back home and john b's cleared and whatever and then I've cried for her because, like, if I was alienated, I was taken away from my friend group and I was sent to boarding school, y'all, I, I, would, I would walk myself into the ocean. I'm sorry. I know that sounds dramatic, but this is coming from someone who is very introverted and I'm not used to making new friends. I would rather keep the ones that I have rather than make a whole set of new ones. Anyway, that doesn't really happen for her. She doesn't go to boarding school. Why? Because she gets, uh, they all get shipwrecked on an abandoned island. <laughs> And that's where season three is going to go, which I'm really excited for. Uh, Key's, Key's a weird, Key, Key had some stuff going on. We'll talk about Pope and Key later on because I have some opinions on that. And I also have some opinions on Cleo. We'll get there. Um, Pope's arc is talking about how he finds out that he's actually related to a very famous ex-slave in the Outer Banks called Denmark Tanny. And his story is one that, like, really, really sad. And it's, like, there's a lot of twists and turns in this. But pretty much he finds out he, his family line traces down from that slave, right? And apparently, allegedly, he left a treasure on the island, which leads him to involve the entire group in finding this treasure before a blonde woman whose name I'm not recalling. And is she's also related to the slave owner's family. So Denmark's slave owner, she's related to him. And uh, she wants to find the treasure because apparently the treasure has something called this shroud of something and she is paralyzed, I think, from the waist down. So she thinks that by touching the shroud, she'll be like healed or whatever, which I think is a load of bullshit. I think you need to like chill out. Medically, there was nothing that could have been done. Magically, there's nothing that can be done. So I think that she needs to, she needs to go to therapy and she needs to accept her loss and then find ways to not be sad about it. I think that's what she should do. Everyone in the show needs therapy, especially JJ, John B, Sarah Cameron, and Rafe. Those are the four that really need it, and now this woman does too. Um, it's a, a, actually a really big deal to him because it's a huge part of his history. He's this man, this slave, extremely famous. And 
his grandmother knew and he's like why didn't you tell me and she's like yo we're already marginalized you want to be marginalized even more for being related to a slave i think the fuck not um apparently that was yeah so that was why it was kept a secret um that whole storyline was so interesting to me because they he like pope's mind starts kind of like to morph into john b's like he becomes more and more reckless which is not something we know pope to be pope is like the brain of the group while he is like the voice of reason and then we have jj who's like the heart and then john b is the face i re- i refuse to see it any other way john b is the face he does nothing he's just the face and the brawn sometimes and i think sarah cameron is kind of like the money so like that's their group i guess and um he just slowly more and more he morphs into john b where he just becomes more and more reckless with his life and he's like i have to find this thing and they're like y'all we don't need to die for it and he's like yeah we do and so a lot of stuff happens and it gets it gets pretty it gets pretty heavy quick like my man pope dies like i he has like an allergic reaction to wasps or something um and he also gets kind of emotionally shocked when he finds out that the treasure that Denmark Tanning was talking about was actually his dead wife and he was the last words were like the last words were something along the lines of like buried at the foot of the angels or something like that some shit like that so they go to this weeping angel whatever the fuck it's called in like an angel tree or something and it turns out he had buried his dead wife under the tree because his wife had drowned Earlier on in that Denmark Tanny story, his wife drowned, his son survived, they never see each other again. And it's it's a pretty sad story, it's pretty rough. Um, ooh, I want to talk about Rafe. Uh, he's the one guy I really want to talk about. This man, this man needs to go to therapy. Like, <laughs> he needs to do two things. Go to therapy, get away from his father. I'm really upset with Ward for several reasons, but the main one is that he refuses to accept that his son needs help. But that man, Rafe, he has serious anger management issues with a healthy dose of insecurity and trauma. He needs to go talk to someone pronto. He's going to become a bona fide serial killer, which he technically is. Because he killed two people? Right? He killed two people, helps his father bury a few more, tried to... he attempted to murder his sister he almost drowned sarah um also i think his behavior was definitely intensified by the idea that his father is the person he has to mirror i mean like if you think about it after such a long time being pushed aside for sarah and being the troubled child he probably thought acting like his father was the way to gain his approval because that evidently is the appropriate appropriate way to act according to him i don't know rave stark is probably my favorite i am excited to see what he does because he just seems like such an unpredictable character and, like, that's always super fun to have in, like, a story setting because it's just, it's so fun to, like, look at and, and examine because those characters just do the most random shit, but it seems to make sense in context with the story, which is something that is just so fun to watch. It's so refreshing. Now, there were a lot of character dynamics within this show, so I'm going to do something that I usually do for when I talk about TV shows or just movies in general. Um, I'm going to narrow it down to three character dynamics that I really, really enjoyed. And then at the very end of this section, I'm just going to slot in all of the other couples and then just give like two sentence opinions on them. 
these are the people that I've had more material to work on and I honestly had more of an opinion on. So I was okay with saying a bunch of shit. Cool. Uh, the three I'm going to focus on are John B and Sarah, Kira and JJ, and Ra Rafe and Sarah. I know those two aren't dating. They're still a character dynamic that I want to talk about. Um, those are the three I was most intrigued by, mainly because of chemistry between actors and how well their scenes played out. Now, John B and Sarah threw me off for a bit while watching season one. Um, because they hadn't even been date, they didn't even know each other that long, like officially. Because like John B worked for Ward, yes, that doesn't necessarily mean he knew Sarah as a person. Um, and he like spent one day with her and got to know her, and then was like, "Fuck it, I want to date this girl." And I'm like, "Good for you." I guess it's how like Tinder works, where it's like you go for one date and you're like, "Do I want to keep dating you?" Yes, continue. Um, but they hadn't even been dating that long when their presumed deaths occurred. Um, I would put it down to, like, about a week of knowing each other before their lives went to shit. I do think he was a healthy alternative to Topper, who I will be talking about later, because man, I got a redemption arc. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, Topper, in general, was a bit of an emotional abuser who, as we learned in Sarah's iconic monologue, I think he was more in love with the idea of Sarah Cameron, kook princess, rather than Sarah Cameron, the person. Um, it was nice to have someone who loved her as just Sarah rather than who she was in relation to her family. Because we all know that he fucking hates her family. But that was not even a question. Um, I also just love their dynamic together. I, maybe it's because um, the actors are dating in real life. Like Chase and, and, Chase and, and Madeline really, really work well together um, just as a couple. And so, but like those two are just gold. Like I, I, John B is someone who I would classify as chaotic good, just like JJ. Both of them have very good hearts. Their execution leaves something to be desired. And then we have Sarah, who I believe is neutral good. She also has a, a good heart, but she, and she tends to have more sense, right? But she does have her chaotic moments. Um, she tends to be the one to make rational decisions, especially when they're on the run. Um, John B's mind was on getting to Ward and ending Ward and getting justice for his father. Whereas hers was like, let's just survive this because I want to go home. Um, I do believe it was good for her to break up with him for a bit in season two because being on the run with someone and then coming back and having all that dirty laundry come to surface does not do well for a relationship unless you're willing to talk it out. And John B evidently was not ready to talk it out, which is annoying. Um, they both just really needed space to sort things out, and that break before she got taken on the ship really did well for her. I am in the position where I think it was okay for John B to react the way he did when Ward died, because you have to remember, we're watching a man whose purpose in life was to get the man who killed his father to, to have justice. That purpose died when Ward was supposedly dead in that explosion. Um, he was in shock. That is why he didn't hug her. Sarah's reaction was some of the best acting in the show. As I said earlier, um, Madeline Klein, I think, carried season two. She was one of the best actresses of that season. Um, season two left off with the group being deserted on an island, so either they'll break up because of how much they've endured, or they'll draw closer together. One of the two. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, Kiara and JJ, oh my god, these two annoy me so much. Um, this is one of those pairings that, like, in a TV show, I get really upset by because there's obviously so much chemistry and it's not being dealt with properly. Both of them are clearly hiding feelings for each other. Everyone can see it, but they can't get out of their own way to just come out and say it. I don't know if it was written. Honestly, I'm not a director or a writer. I'm not someone who was involved in the making of the show, but I don't know if it was written for those two to be together romantically, 
but it does not help if they were made to be platonic and then casting Rudy Panko and Madison Bailey to be opposite of each other. Because those two have just such intense chemistry. Like, they have to be endgame. It does not make sense if they're not. If you're going to cast those two, they have to be endgame. Even though they're not related romantically in real life, those two just have insane chemistry. Like, you have to, like, they have to be together. All throughout season one, the two had been flirting with each other. Like, he, he literally asked John B. to not tell JJ about the kiss. Specifically JJ. Um, she asked, did you tell JJ? Why not Pope? Apparently, you were wanting to date Pope. Why didn't she ask, did you tell Pope? It seems like that was your crush the full time. Um, for what reason did they make her kiss Pope at the end of season one? Like, I don't... They had such an unspoken connection. Like, he and JJ had such an unspoken connection. And then she kisses Pope. And the look on JJ's face broke my heart. For what reason did they do that? They... I already knew from when I watched that. I was like, they're not gonna... They're not made to last. Like, those two are going to break up. Um, mainly, not because they don't love each other. I think... I think he liked... I think he was liked the idea of dating Pope. I there was, was a very similar situation with Topper. Um but Topper went about it the wrong way. He was just generally very abusive towards Sarah emotionally. Um I think Key was in love with Key liked the idea of dating Pope and Pope actually liked Kiara, which is two very different things if you're in a relationship because obviously someone's going to put in more effort. Um they definitely had a lot of stuff in common. They both have similar upbringings and that their parents aren't overtly abusive or neglectful in any way. Yes, they have their problems, but, like, they don't get beaten. They don't get, uh, they're not, you know, they don't have substance abuse issues. Like, those kind of things. They're generally okay parents. Um, they both are the brains of the group. They love very passionately. They are the voices of reason. But where they diverge is they have very different ideas for what they want their futures to be. Like, Pope wants to go to college because Pope is actually a very, very smart person. He's very intelligent. He wants to go to college. He wants to be successful. But Key wants to remain a free spirit. And that's where JJ and her converge in interest. I think that's why they click a lot better is that, like, they're very different people, obviously. Very different personalities. Key definitely gets exasperated with him at some point of time. But, like... That's a good thing, because I think opposites attract. I have um, a friend and her boyfriend, literally the most opposite people you will ever meet, and yet they are very happy together, and it makes me very confused. Um, not that I'm not happy for them, but I just, they're like blissfully ignorant to the world's troubles. They're just very in love, and I think that's like such a good thing when you're in a relationship is to have someone that's different than you, but you also have similar, you have some common ground. And I think for key and jj that is the fact that they want to remain free and they want to move around they want to travel they want to go places um there's a scene in in their car in season two i mean not really a car it's a van um where jj talks about what he wants to do in the future with the money they find and pretty much he just says he wants to go on a ski trip i mean not a ski trip a surf trip they don't ski in the outer banks are you kidding me it doesn't even snow there um he wants to go on a surf trip and Key asks if he has room for one more and they look, the look that they share in that scene just says it all. I, they legit belong together and no one can tell me otherwise. Um, now on to Rafe and Sarah. These aren't a romantic couple, this, these two, seeing as they're siblings, 
but they are a duo that I want to explore just because their relationship from season one to season two drastically changed. It's no secret that Sarah was the favorite child. Um, she was the eldest daughter, seemingly did everything right in kook standards. On the other hand, you have Rafe, who is the eldest son, and he is the oldest of the line, but he's a drug addict and he hangs out with less than savory company, at least in the eyes of his father. This man did everything he possibly could do to measure up to his father, who is his number one role model, when I add, and he had to watch this girl, his sister, just be praised for existing. It's enough to drive a man mad. I've lived that life. I'm an older sibling, and I have a younger brother, and he's pretty much good at everything, and that fucking sucks. Like, I love him to pieces. Don't get me wrong. But that doesn't mean I've never hated him at certain points of time. And not even for, like, any fault of his own. Like, yeah, he can be a dick sometimes. But, like, I think that's just how boys are when they're growing up. He hasn't, like, he doesn't, he likes to, like, not do things. So he'll say no just to say because he no. But, like, you know, he's a level, he, I love him all the same. And I think, I think that point, that point in my mind is that, like, I don't hate him because of being him. I hate him for the fact that everyone else loves him. If you know what I mean. Everyone loved, I felt at a point of time that everyone loved him more than me and everything he'd do would just make him amount to more and I would always be, you know, in his shadow, which is funny because I'm the eldest. And actually it makes sense because he's taller, but you know, like, so in a way I can relate to how he feels, but I do think that toxic mindset has everything to do with how his family treats him, um, and that includes Sarah. I think Sarah could have done a better job at treating him well. Um, if all of them had just indulged in his request for help, I don't think he would have deteriorated as much as he did in season two. I mean, that man deteriorated so much that he thought drowning his sister would save his father, which is such a fucked up form of thinking. Obviously that created so much more animosity between them, and that doesn't solve anything. Um, but I think the best step for them as a family is therapy, especially for Rafe, Ward, and Sarah, because those three are the most messed up in the family. Um, I do think there needs to be some couples counseling just for the parents, because I think Ward has a very fucked up form of communication where he just doesn't tell anyone anything and then makes Rose freak the fuck out and then make dumb decisions. And then I think, honestly, I think Wheezy needs to stop snitching. Other than that, she's fine. I like her. I think she's a cute girl. Um, I'm going to talk about some of the other ships now that I saw people talking about. I've already talked about Pope and Kiara, but I'm going to add this to that opinion. They had zero chemistry at a, as a couple. Like, as friends, don't get me wrong. They have a ton. I think they're a great couple as friends. Um, but then, like, you have... But then you have, like, JJ and Kiara that obviously have so much more tension, like, romantic tension between them. And then you have... Pope and Kiara, where they just, they're so stagnant. Like, every conversation they have is, like, as dry as the Sahara Desert. Like, she obviously does not want to be there, and he's just trying to find a way to keep her interested. Um, but like, that's what I'm going to say on them. Moving on to the other couples, I'm going to talk about Sarah and Topper. Topper has a redemption arc this time around. I don't know how to feel about that. I think, he, I really, really hated him in the first season. I think he was one of the most annoying characters on the planet. He was just there all the time. He nearly killed John B. He, like, pushed him off of a ledge or something. It was like a big thing. And then Sarah freaked out. It was a big thing when I watched it. And I think they honestly should not end up together. He was incredibly bad boyfriend in season one. I don't know how I can, I don't know how much more I can emphasize this. He was incredibly ab emotionally abusive. He was just incredibly horrible. I hated him for her. I think as I said before, he was only in love with her for the concept. 
Sarah Cameron is the kook princess. She is the daughter of Ward Cameron. He is the richest man on the island. If you marry her, you know, white picket fence, beautiful life, whatever. Um, but now I think he has the philosophy distance makes the heart grow fonder. I think that definitely comes into play here. So when she comes back, he's realized who Sarah truly is. He's realized her inner strength. He's realized the real facets of her personality. And now he has fallen for the real person, which is great, but too little too late, man. I like, I have trust issues. I don't trust that man whatsoever. He has done nothing to make me trust him. Um, I don't want them to end up together, although I can appreciate everything he's done for her, seeing as he was the one to save her from Rafe's attempted murder. Um, the last couple I'm going to talk about, oh yeah, Cleo and Pulp. They're a couple I saw online. People thought they looked good together, and I uh get that they are very attractive people and next to each other they they're a power duo um but as for being a romantic couple i for right now disagree um i agree that there was some tension between them but i don't think that means chemistry i think that's very different she was holding a knife to his throat there's obviously going to be tension like that's um we saw two scenes with them together and i think that's what made people base their opinions on how they would work but until season three comes out, I'm going to just say no comment. I, I don't have enough information. And I feel like when season three comes out, there will be more for me to base my opinions on. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we enter the segment called me rambling about things I liked and didn't like about the show. This part is unscripted. So we're going to have fun with me just talking. Right? <laughs> I'm already nervous now because I never do anything unscripted. Anyway things I liked. I love the glow up that Sarah Cameron had in her per personality. She's no longer taking answers from her father. She's like, yeah, shut the fuck up. She literally slapped her dad. I love that for her. Um, Sarah really picked it up. JJ really picked it up. JJ really whipped their asses into shape. They all kept arguing and he was like, bitch, this is all I have. So y'all better get along or get out. Um, what else did I like? I love Cleo. I think Cleo is such a clever character. I think she's just such a cool character. Um, her accent literally does things to me. Um, she's just gen she's just such a cool girl. That's like the one thing I can describe her as is a cool girl. I also really love her relationship with Sarah where she's like, oh yeah, fuck John B. This is where it's at. Sarah Cameron. Um, and I'm like, you right, girl. You right. John B ain't shit. We gotta represent. We gotta love our girl, Sarah Cameron. Um, things I didn't like. Kiara yelling murderer at Ward. Girl, pick a time. Like, mm. <laughs> I also really love the bonding moments. I love the bonding moments between Sarah and Kiara because I feel like the first season was like, they had just started to become friends and then she dies. And I'm like, what the? Um, but like them getting to know each other again was really, really cute. And like them like venting about boy drama. I think that's just such a girly girl thing to do. Just like, just like things that girls do at sleepovers. I just realized that that's not something that they did very often because of just, you know, the big divide between them. I just really loved that. And I also really, really enjoyed um, Kiara realizing why Pope and her couldn't work. I feel like she was just leading him on for a majority of it. And I'm like, thank the fucking Lord that you communicated and you said that the sex wasn't good and that you weren't willing to pursue a relationship. Like, I love that for you. Um, and I also love Pope on drugs. And that concludes this segment segment of me rambling about things I liked and didn't like. Now, what do I what do I hope to happen? What do I hope is gonna happen in this show for season three? There are three things I want to happen. Number one, GR needs to get together. 
If JJ and Kiara do not get together, I think those two as, as characters, when they their interactions were a lost cause. They should have never allowed those two to have scenes together if they weren't going to have some greater purpose because those scenes had the same amount of tension as an elastic band about to snap. Legit. Um, that's just such a waste of potential for a couple if they don't get together. Like, either in this season or season four, if they greenlight that or whatever. But they, they need to be... They need... They need to be a couple. Number two, um, Rafe needs to get therapy or at least a nice whack upside the head. Some brain cells need to be rearranged. Some family members need to get their heads out of their asses. The two paths I see in front of him are either becoming a full-out serial killer or going to someone for mental help. There's no in-between. Or he could do both. He can choose. Um, the last thing I want is for John B. to find his dad because we find out that he's alive at the end of season two. I want him to find his dad and then fucking rip him apart because you cannot just leave your child to pick up the pieces of your messed up legacy. That's not how it works and that's some fucked up shit. Thank you all for listening and joining me on this journey. I actually really enjoy this show so if you guys enjoyed it, um, I hope you either agree with some of my thoughts or if you disagree, be sure to email me. I hope you continue to listen to this podcast. My socials are at GS726 on Insta, at GS.K on TikTok, and G1A on YouTube. If you enjoy listening to stories and true crime cases, you can check out my other podcast, Weird and Wacky Tales with Gia, where I talk about stories from mythology and true crime cases. That one is going to be uploading every Tuesday, starting in like three weeks. COVID is still prominent in the U.S., so wear masks and stay away from social gatherings. Support the BLM movement by donating to bail funds, signing petitions, attending protests, and spreading awareness. I've also linked down some anti-Asian hate crime resources along with the Try Guides video that is actually very informational. It's one hour long. Details um, a lot of anti-Asian hatred um, inspired events that have happened in the U.S. over the years. Um, Really, really interesting watch. Really, really informational. Recommend watching it. And Yeah, this was the Musings of a Raging Introvert. I'll see you guys next week for a deep delve into whatever I want.